Welcome to Season 2 of The Plants We Eat, a podcast from the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens that investigates the fascinating history, biology, and culture behind the plants we use for food. This is Jeff Gilman and Cindy Proctor. Together we have over 50 years of research, teaching, and hands-in-the-dirt experience growing plants. And today, we've got all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to talk about comfrey, and this was uh, given to us by Linda Berg. If you have any particular plant that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Jeff Gilman, that's me, at jgilman, that's J-G-I-L-L-M-A-N, at uncc.edu. Love to hear from you. Love to take a look at your recommendations. Before we actually start today, though, we got a really interesting letter from, and I'm going to get this name all wrong, and I apologize in advance, Aras Balali Magadin. And he is living in Canada now, but originally from Iran. And he's very interested in saffron and also pomegranates. And he wrote us this really interesting letter on pomegranates that unfortunately we did not read, of course, prior to the, to the time we recorded our pomegranate podcast. So I'd like to read just a little bit of the stuff that he sent. Pomegranates are used heavily in Iran, and I, I knew that they were, but I didn't know that it was, uh, it was at this extent. Let me tell you just a little bit about what Aras has to say about the pomegranate. They have this celebration called the Yalda Celebration, which happens on winter solstice. And they'll have their friends and family gather around for this uh, giant feast, and they'll stay up all night eating pomegranates and other fruits and reading poetry. And that just sounds fun to me. It does to me, too. I mean, they sit around, eat pomegranates, read poetry. It's a tradition that's still alive in Persian culture. And you can actually do an image search on Google for Yalda, Y-A-L-D-A, and you'll see all kinds of pictures of pomegranates and people having just a great time. In Iran, concentrated pomegranate juice is also used in many different well-known traditional dishes, including, and this is another one I'm going to butcher, and I apologize, fesinjun, which is usually prepared with duck or chicken. In traditional Iranian cooking, pomegranate is usually mixed with ground walnut. You know, I've never had pomegranate with walnut, Mm -mm. but doesn't that sound good? It does. It it just sounds like two flavors that would really work together. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not an accident, and it has to do with the way pomegranates and walnuts are classified in Persian medicine. So interesting, interesting stuff there. If you want to look up uh, fesenjun, it's spelled F-E-S-E-N-J-O-O-N. And another, uh, he mentions another dish that I've just got to mention. because he, he mentioned all these things that just sound so incredibly good. So it's a side dish called Zaytun Parvadeh. I'm going to spell that too. Z-E-Y-T-O-O-N-P-A-R-V-A-R-D-E-H, which has olives, pomegranate, and walnuts as the main ingredients. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. But when we did our podcast on pomegranates, we did not spend much time with Iranian culture. Honestly, I didn't know to, know to look at uh, Iranian culture for pomegranates. And after we did, there's some really incredible stuff. You know, one of the things to remember when you're listening to this podcast is that Cindy and I uh, have, you know, we have a bit of an American view of foods, <laughs> just kind of the way it is. What can we say? That doesn't make it right or wrong. If you have some interesting stuff about one of these foods, one of these plants that you think we didn't mention or we did a disservice, let us know. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about it the next show. We think this stuff is fascinating. And, you know, I'm here to learn, too. Exactly. Not just do all the schooling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, I, hey, when you guys send us an email about things that we don't know, we're educated. We love it. Sure. Don't, don't ever think that you shouldn't tell us about it. We want to know. Now, on with comfrey. So Lindeberg sent us this uh, email and said, hey, guys, you've got to do comfrey. Uh, so we started doing comfrey, 
And uh, pretty much the first thing that we found out is that... Um, it's yeah, toxic. Don't, yeah, don't eat it. <laughs> don't eat it. Don't, do not eat comfrey. But, you know, I've had a lot of experience with growing it in, this, in a perennial garden, and I was excited to, to do this one because it is beautiful uh, perennial to talk about, but to use, it's a little Doesn't, tricky. Yes. Now, yes. So talk about that first. Well, I guess I want to start off by saying comfrey is in the borage family, mm-hmm. and borage is a food. Have you ever eaten borage? Yes. I, I have. It's a, it's a leafy vegetable. Yes. And it's... Okay, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's it's fine. Kind of, what do you say, prickly on the leaves? Mm-hmm. So it has... Fuzzy. Fuzzy, yes. Mm-hmm. When you put it in your mouth, it has this kind of a fuzzy texture, which... I don't uh, seek I, it out. Let's it, just say right. that. Right. Let's just say that, yeah, I think that that's a really good way to put it. Um, people used to eat comfrey to some extent. I could never find it heavily used, but where it was used is uh, as a medicine. Comfrey's original name was actually knit bone. Mm-hmm. And it was used quite a bit in medicines. And there actually is some, some significant writing, especially during the late 1700s, early 1800s, about using comfrey to aid. Healing to, burns to and sprains, you mean? Well, you know, let me, read a, let me read an article from the English Physician Enlarged. It, that's actually the name of the book is the English Physician Enlarged <laughs> um, from 1799. This is an herb of Saturn, and I suppose under the sign Capricorn, cold, dry, and earthy in quality. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what does uh, an herb of Saturn mean? I certainly didn't know what an herb of Saturn meant, so I looked it up. Saturn is is usually regarded by people as uh, representing a lot of energy, usually undesirable energy, and tough experiences, you know, tough knocks. The nature of this energy in lives provides us with lessons required for our growth. Okay, so that's kind of the idea behind Saturn. The other thing about Saturn is that it is specifically for kidneys. It is for your skeleton. It's your knees, joints, and teeth. It's also related to processing the minerals within the body. Again, that has to do with the kidneys. So in the old days, being a nervous Saturn actually made some kind of sense. All right, so let me continue reading the 1799 article. The great comfrey helps those who spit blood or make a bloody urine. Well, isn't that awesome? (laughs) (laughs) But that makes no sense because uh, you can't ingest it. Did they think so? They thought you could ingest it. (laughs) Okay. They thought you could ingest it. So maybe you ingested it and then had bloody urine. Uh, You wonder, don't you? (laughs) The root boiled in water or wine and the, so I'm, I'm continuing to read this, the root boiled in water or wine and the decoction drank helps all inward hurts, bruises, wounds, and ulcers of the lungs and causes the phlegm that oppresses them to be easily spit forth. Just lovely. Anyway, so this stuff was supposed to, you know, just be wonderful when you take the comfrey and get all the good stuff out of it and put it into your body. Unfortunately, along with that, I have a few different papers here which talk about, for example, a 47-year-old woman who uh, drank cups of this a day and ended up, you know, messing up her liver permanently over it. So for people today who are trying comfrey, we now know that long-term use of this stuff will ruin your liver. It's also associated with, uh, with liver cancer, but I'm just concerned about chronic toxicity of this stuff, uh, again, potentially permanently injuring your liver. This is not stuff that you want to take. Okay, now having said that, comfrey definitely has some value as a pain reliever. 
used on your knees, used on your muscles, it can definitely help uh, pain, inflammation, and swelling. There is documented evidence that it works for that. But recently, a paper also came out which shows that the active ingredient, uh, or I shouldn't say the active ingredient, what I should say is the, um, the compounds in comfrey that cause the liver damage actually can cross your skin. Mm-hmm. Exactly how much crosses your skin is in question, but it does cross your skin. Well, those studies aren't clear yet, so they're just right. kind of saying don't use it at all. Exactly. It's, you can't buy it for ingestion at all, at least in the United States. Some places you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, well, in the U.S., I believe it's still legal for topical use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but reading what I, what I read, I, and, and with the studies that are currently out there now, I would hesitate to use it even topically. I would not hesitate to put it in my yard. Not at all. It's, it's a very pretty plant. Uh, should say comfrey is native to Europe. Mm-hmm. And it is you know, found in Britain, naturalized in the U.S. You can find it all over. Very pretty plant. Um, you have it in your garden? Not my current one, but when I had more land, uh, I definitely had it when I had a huge perennial bed. And it is native to Europe and some areas in Western Asia. Mm-hmm. And some in North America in the grasslands. And I really gear people to look where they're native to and where things are from so we know how to grow it here in the south because right. we it's always tricky here with our heat and topsy-turvy weather. So I put it in part shade mm-hmm. for that reason or avoid the afternoon sun. And it grows like it can grow up to five feet tall sometimes. Wow, I've yes. never seen it that yes. tall. I've seen now, it big. Yeah. So mostly it's about three to four, but it, I have seen it up to five. Purple flowers generally? Yes, purple yeah. flowers generally. It's very delicate, very sweet. They droop over a little bit. Soft leaves. Soft leaves, very large leaves, Yeah. relatively, you know, about four to five inches wide, mm-hmm. you know, and long. It's not going to be the main feature in your perennial bed, but it's going to be a great addition if you mm-hmm. have other great perennials as well. Now, you know... Um, I found another uh, interesting article on it from the Domestic Encyclopedia, which was published in Philadelphia in 1804. <laughs> and it was interesting to me that there are other uses for it. As opposed to the International Encyclopedia? It, exactly. Okay. This is the Domestic Encyclopedia. Okay. <laughs> and some of these uses are, are quite interesting in that uh, it is eaten by sheep and cows, but horses, goats, and hogs refuse it. I just thought that was interesting. But more importantly, comfrey actually offers a dye that's frequently used in wool. And when I looked this up, you could actually find people today who are, you know, trying to go the natural route and who are using comfrey as a dye and it working really, really well. So, you know, we spent the whole beginning part of this podcast talking about how this stuff is terrible, don't eat it. Well, it's true, terrible, don't eat it. And I wouldn't even use it topically. But it definitely has some uses that especially people who want to go back to some traditional ways. Well, the alkaloids probably aren't found in the flowers. You know, they're both mm-hmm. me- mostly used with the leaves and the roots. For... It's, mostly, it's mostly the roots that they're yeah, using for the, for the dye. Um, oh, the, for the dye, for not the, the dye. flowers? The natives of Angora who possess the finest breed of goats in the world prepare from the comfrey roots a kind of glue that enables them to spin the fleece into a very fine yard from which camblays and shawls are manufactured. The Germans have lately employed the same usage for correcting the brittleness of flax and roughness of wool and spinning. This preparation neither soils the fingers nor the yarn and may preserve in a fresh state for a few days. 
Hmm. Um, now, that wasn't the dye part. Here's the dye part. These roots are, at present, chiefly employed by color makers who, by means of a decoction made of them, extract the beautiful crimson color from... I can't pronounce that. So, that's... They get... Um, Oh. They get the crimson color from the roots somehow. Now, have you ever had borage soup? I never have. It's really good. Okay. Uh, just don't make it with comfrey. <laughs> okay, just don't make it with comfrey. Because, uh, borage and comfrey, I don't know that I would exactly mistake them, but they're very similar to me. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think the borage leaf is a little bit larger, wider anyway. But it's something to be aware of. Something to be aware of. Yeah. If you just think it's borage Make sure it's not comfrey before yeah, you... Yeah, uh... because back to you're saying the livestock and mm-hmm. other animals eating it, they, mm-hmm. do, they don't recommend in yards with dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. just And I guess because, you know, we play it so safe these mm-hmm. days, maybe too much so, but what, you know, if they don't really know the concentration exactly needed to poison you <laughs> yeah, yeah. topically, and I guess you ingest it, that's a bad idea. That was another thing I found in a couple of the papers was that the amount of the toxic compounds can vary a decent bit. Oh, sure. So, yeah, of course. Yes. It's not really a surprise. No. Well, how about, uh, let's talk about what we're going to do next time. Okay, can we talk about rhubarb? Just for you, actually, for LaRue deal. All right. And we've actually done one by him before. Okay. Uh, hazelnuts and he recommended hazelnut oh, rhubarb. He did. He okay. did. So okay. we're going to we're going to do those too. Well, Linda, thank you for uh introducing us to comfrey on the show. Yep. And uh because it is a great perennial to grow, but I would refrain from using it for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this has been The Plants We Eat. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens in cooperation with UNC Charlotte College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Isle Group. Look forward to talking to you next week.